1: This is Riley Cote and you're listening to Broad Street Radio.
0: You're listening to BSH Radio.
2: Is
3: this true?
2: Live from the WIP Studios in Philadelphia. The hockey team the Flyers. And right here on broadstreethockey.com. Broadway. Welcome to Broad Street Hockey Radio, that's right, BSH Radio, my name is Bill Max, and I am your director of fun and games for the evening. We have a very special episode for you tonight, former Phantoms head coach, former Flyers tough guy, Riley Cote will be joining us in just a couple of minutes, so I just want to get this kicked off as soon as we can. Let me start off by introducing you to my co-hosts for the evening. First and foremost, my broadcast partner in crime. Steph, delicious D Steph driver. How are you tonight, Steph?
3: I'm wonderful. So I, I have to say, Bill and everybody listening, I went to tra- draft dra- draft camp, draft camp, <laughs> sort of <laughs> redo, <laughs> got the show <laughs> uh, development camp for the rookies this weekend, and I was fully prepared to ignore. This Frost character, who I who I haven't <laughs> I haven't quite accepted that he was drafted. Like I I haven't wrapped my head around accepting him into my league of large adult sons. <laughs> I could not ignore him. I actually I couldn't even take my eyes off him. He's that good looking. No, I, no. <laughs> no. Um, I'm done. He's I'm done. like four years old and still has braces. Um, <laughs> Does he have braces? Yes, he does. Does he really yes, have braces?
4: He, yes, oh, he does. Bless.
3: Yes, he does. These are actual children. Actual children. <laughs>
2: That's right. It's development camp.
3: Um, I I couldn't not watch him, and I, I he has won me over. So now my full loathing.
2: What is it? What was the number one thing? What stood out? Uh,
3: it's, it's he makes it look effortless. His his puck possession and the the passes that he he makes and receives just effortless and seamless and he was also dancing around in the middle of the ice by himself and it was endearing so you're saying silky mitts silky mitts i like he's 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 strong on the puck like he's a big dude was not getting pushed around by travis sanheim who's another big dude it it was it was impressive that's cool because
4: we you know nobody seemed super excited about having drafted him and then in the days following, we started to hear some good stuff, but people were still skeptical. So this is good that we're actually seeing the good stuff.
3: Yeah, I still like he doesn't have a first name, but <laughs> he will always be that Frost character. I like it. It's but it's like villain. Yeah, and and it's he he's I'm I'm warming up
0: to that Frost character. To that Frost
3: character. <laughs>
2: Our A number 1 super duper analyst, Charlie O'Connor.
0: So, one of the big news things in hockey over the last what, week or so has been the Connor McDavid extension. He obviously got a ton of money, understandably so. He's either the best or the second best player in hockey right now. Probably will, if he's not the best player, he will be the best player in the next few years as Crosby continues to decline and McDavid continues to trend up. But what really annoyed me about the whole thing is how it was presented by certain members of the media of like how great McDavid is for leaving money on the table. And I don't, I don't have a problem with the player making the decision because in the end, it's his decision. You know, he makes up his mind on what he thinks his value is. That's fine. Never want to say a player shouldn't do what he wants to do. But what I think annoys me about it is that it it implies that if he did take all the money, that he would be greedy and that he was hurting the chances of the Oilers to win a Stanley Cup by actually getting what his. Actual on no, ice value, yeah, and it's infuriating to me because we present this idea of like players have to sacrifice for the good of the team. You know what? No, Connor McDavid deserves every penny of that contract. Probably deserves more in terms of the on ice value he provides. And if the Oilers can't build a championship contender around Connor McDavid and his gigantic contract, that's not Connor McDavid's fault. That's the idiot general manager and the idiot front office that is in is doing really dumb stuff in Edmonton, like. Signing Chris Russell to a $4 million a year cap it, like locking up a big four like Milan Lucic until he's 35, like trading away Jordan Hall and Jordan Eberle and getting crap returns in both deals. Like somehow this is going to get blamed on Connor McDavid if they don't win because he's got this big contract and they can't yep. afford to build a team. I was like, no, they could afford to build a team around if they didn't have a bunch of money locked up and not that good players McDavid's or declining gonna, players.
2: McDavid's going to put up 100 points. It's everyone else. He's
0: worth the money. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like, you can't say that that's preventing the team from winning. Yes, it's a little bit harder to build a team around a guy who's got a ton of money because there's a little bit less money to go around, but it's also really hard to win a Stanley Cup without a guy like Connor McDavid. It's almost impossible, some would say. It's quite (laughs) difficult, actually.
4: (laughs)
2: The bespectacled spectacular Kelly Hinkle.
4: That's a new one, but I'll take it. So, I don't know if um, everyone else lives their life on Twitter like I do, but today there was a thing that happened... Um, where someone claimed that Nolan Patrick was mean to them <laughs> at development <laughs> I wanted someone
2: to explain this to me because I wasn't so on I'm, Twitter all I'm day. I'm going to break
4: it down for you. <laughs> do so, you. Do you have the screenshots? My phone died. But a grown... Because I'm on Twitter too much. But a grown adult person drew a sketch of...
3: Of Nolan Patrick. That, okay, let me I know that
4: I know first of all. I know.
3: C- let me, can I read it? People keep it saying yes, it's, read the, the exact thing. it's
2: the French girls thing from Titanic. He was closed. He was clothed in the sketch, right? No one knows. Okay. Nobody, nobody knows. knows. Nobody, knows. Right.
3: nobody knows. Okay. Hard so to say. um <laughs> oh, some hard. some human being took a screenshot of Facebook and put it on Twitter. Okay? And, as one does. And as Ugh. one does. And it was a devil's fan that posted this. So she writes. I'm glad the Devils passed on Nolan Patrick and took Nico instead, especially after reading this. What a fucking asshole. And then it goes into the screenshot. And this is what, this is what the Devils fan says, or whatever. Well, in case y'all are curious, Nolan Patrick is a snot-nosed little punk-ass bitch. I was at the Flyers. This is a mature de- person speaking. This okay, is an adult. naturally. Okay, yes. I was at the Flyers development camp yesterday. In parentheses, don't judge me, LOL. And he was a complete asshole to fans. As you know, I draw, so occasionally I just offer the drawing He's to not- that player. I did this, and his response was. I don't want a stupid drawing. And then he didn't want to sign it. There is <gasps> 0% chance that happened. <laughs> he doesn't take pictures with fans, and he better. doesn't want to sign. Now, I'm a bitch, so that wasn't going to fly with me. After being called a snot-nosed little brat, I got a blurry selfie and my drawing signed. He proceeded to tell a child no more than eight. He did not want to sign or take a photo. Now, I'm an adult. I can take the ignorance, but not a kid. I just continued to bitch this little punk out on how he's a spoiled, entitled brat. Even his own teammates were appalled at him. Feel thankful you have Nico because this little shithead is gonna get throat punched if I ever see him tell a kid no again. Well, that's a threat. And good morning, everyone. Happy Monday. This, okay, so, this story so, doesn't
0: make any sense,
3: though. So, okay. <laughs> There's so many layers of this where I'm just like, you're full of shit. Literally, none of this happened,
2: and any of that is true.
3: Any, none of this happened. I'm not saying it's impossible. He might be a dick.
2: So here's just the thing happen
4: here's the thing (laughs) Nolan Patrick is most certainly a smug little asshole as any teenager who has been told for his entire life that he's special is going to be (laughs) I I don't even care he'll grow out of it Crosby was an asshole when he came into the league he's a bit more less of an asshole now but whatever (laughs) but also A kid who's been the consensus number one overall pick for as many years as Nolan Patrick has been has gotten a little bit of PR training and there's a 0% chance that he acted this much of an asshole in front of fans at a team-sponsored event. I want to know it didn't happen. You know
3: why it didn't happen? I was there yesterday. Charlie was there yesterday. Do you know who was not there yesterday? Nolan Patrick. (laughs) Is this true? He was not there.
0: Yeah, he, I mean, he, he might have been like in like you know the unless video he was sessions the back, or whatever, maybe. or maybe. in,
3: I mean, there was no media there, there was no media availability there. It was us. Mm-hmm. So if he was hanging out in the locker room, do you know what also didn't happen? Any of that? Any of this? So th- this is what
4: annoyed uh, me.
2: Just coming in from Facebook here, uh, <laughs> Ariel Mendez chiming in saying,
4: oh. "I know this girl, and trust me, that likely did not happen." Of course, laugh out didn't. loud, laugh out loud, laugh out loud. So, okay. so it, she has a history of uh, of, uh, of being a psychopath. Yeah. Okay, cool. So it just for the for the love of Christ Flyers fans, <laughs> could we not give absolute bullshit like this any kind of credence? It's we've got good stuff to talk about. We don't need to waste our time. So I let's just, just
0: nah. Yeah, like I I just I don't care either way. <laughs> like, like even if this is true, and I really don't think I it don't is definitely like, not. But even if this is true, like like whatever, okay he's Maybe he's a jerk, but as long as he's good at hockey, it don't, doesn't really bother me either way. But the story—I wouldn't be shocked if there's like a kernel of truth in here. But it doesn't make any sense. Like if if she, if he really said that to her and like was dead serious, like wow, this is a horrible picture. Then why would he later sign it? Sign it. it? Like the, 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 the logic does not make
2: any so sense at <laughs> all. She <laughs> is she is berating this teenager. Yeah. <laughs> well, yes. In front of. The a children. Team
3: te- the and team. And children. Fans and, children. Yep. and nobody
4: mm-hmm. from the organization had any And also no
3: media. And she was no one
4: saw this. She was so <laughs> angered and disgusted by his behavior that she still wanted She a demanded his autograph. And an and autograph. I mean, Shell Samuelson
3: never used to sign autographs. <laughs> Who cares? I I just if if Nolan Patrick has to be an asshole to avoid some of these psychopaths that, okay. that wait by the cars, that's fine. That's yeah. and
2: I have heard stories of other Philadelphia athletes from other sports who I will never say their name because it is totally their right when they are not at a team sponsored event when they're just to be trying like, to go nah, home. I'm not signing autographs. Yeah, lunch. Because no. if they're in a hotel lobby and one person goes up and says, "Hey, man, you know I really like you. Can I get your autograph?" It's never going and to They end. say. Uh, yeah like real quick if one person sees that there is now a crowd and a line yeah. so, and you are getting followed to the bar or wherever you're going well
3: and i just
2: i didn't say any names this did ho-
3: no you didn't no. Okay. Good job. but i like i have i've heard of this too and like you've got to respect their time like just because yeah. they're in the public eye does not mean that they owe you anything but also this did not happen yesterday like if this, it, it just or at let out. Yeah. It, it, there's a, a, a slight possibility that maybe it happened Saturday, but the entire story, not at all. Yeah, like, there's it, it, absolutely it, no way. If
0: it happened, I highly doubt it happened exactly the way it was described. <laughs>
3: oh, I think maybe not. Highly doubt it. Yeah, number one, I don't care who this woman is. Yeah. Like, I actually. Kind of am interested to know who she is. Can we get her on the show?
2: What do you think she does for a living?
3: Nothing. She stalks hockey players. <laughs> stalks underage hockey players. She's receiving. Yeah, Ariel Menendez,
0: Melendez. Tell us where she lives so we can, uh, you know, call her up here. Let's, let's not do that. Yeah. Well, it's just uh, she's give her. She waiting the phone outside,
3: John. She's it, waiting outside. She drew a if, picture if of you. Is, if this, this is if this is what it. if this is what you want to do with your Monday I, okay. to, to spread slander and lies about a teenager about a teenager. <laughs> like, maybe you need to reevaluate some of your life. Choices. I can't spend
2: any more time on this because it's so utterly ridiculous. Because it didn't happen! I'm glad someone explained it to me that I know what all the hubbub was about, but it's so utterly ridiculous I can't spend you, any you more time on really it. You know what would be really
3: funny? Our, our friend Dan actually mentioned this. Like, If she tried to give a picture, a drawing drawing of Nolan Patrick to another player like thinking it was Nolan Patrick because Nolan Patrick was not there yesterday.
2: That would be great. Uh, <laughs> all right, uh, My hot take, I don't really have one this week. I don't know if I'm going to create more work for John here or how weird it is for the people watching live, but this is a podcast you're probably checking it out on demand my uh hot take is going to be this awesome riley cote interview that we're going to lead you to uh right now riley cote how you doing tonight riley
1: i'm good thanks how are you
2: i'm doing very well uh your uh your Hemp Heels Foundation you have the uh, you have a concert every year that's why I wanted to have you on uh to talk about that a little so I just wanted to get into that off the start uh, what is your Hemp Heels Foundation when did you start it uh, why is the issue important to you just tell us about uh the Hemp Heels
1: yeah absolutely yeah I I, I founded the Hemp Heels Foundation in 2011 um, the summer that I retired and uh, we're actually be our, in our uh, seventh um annual hemp peels festival festival here, but uh, i really got into it uh um once i once i started understanding why my physical body was breaking down and land up retiring at the age of 28 i started understanding diet nutrition and i started started understanding nutritional profile of the hemp seed and uh, i started transitioning from whey proteins animal-based proteins to plant-based proteins and specifically hemp seed, uh, you know, really understanding that it was a very digestible protein source. And then I started understanding what the CBD cannabidiol portion of the plant and understanding, you know, the depth of textiles and building materials and and you name it and understanding the plant to its fullest. And then on the other side of it, my sister uh, having MS understanding, you know, environmental disease and what promotes inflammation and what promotes disease and certain diseases specifically in the West. And, uh, they line up being very environmental, and you have a plant like cannabis and hemp, Um, hemp specifically on the industrial side that, uh, you know, is an agricultural crop that's been grown since the start of time. Humans have walked this planet, and it's been our number one ally, and food source, and building material, and and textile, and, you know, we've kind of transitioned to synthetics and everything chemical-ridden, and um, we've failed to understand diet, nutrition, and we're sick, and and really, the Hemp Peels Foundation kind of ties all that in together because it is all environmental, environment impacts the soil, the environment, uh, human health, and it can it can help uh, the local economy it can be self sufficient, self sustainable. So uh, I spent a lot of time uh, before that doing a lot, of, you know, a lot of charity work and you know helping raising a lot of money for different uh, things. Uh, unfortunately, I just started losing faith in a lot of these things and. Uh, um, and, and seeing something as powerful as cannabis and hemp on the other side you know, being sidelined, and not even just being sidelined, that people are being incarcerated for this. And once you learn the depth of it, it ends up being one of the biggest crimes against humanity ever. So you know, as a person that you know, steps up to the plate and challenges wherever I need to challenge to, uh, to get where I need to be and to do the right thing, um, you know, cannabis and hemp specifically um, tops the list. And uh, you know, I, I created a foundation about it, uh, just promoting hemp as a viable resource, uh, renewable resource, sustainable resource, and uh, and showing all it can do. And the, the Hemp Heels Festival kind of sums it up. You, get companies, um, you got companies, you got hemp food companies, you got hemp beverages, you got you know clothing companies, skin, body, and, and hair care products. Guy has Hempzels, a Philly pretzel made with hemp seed oil and hemp seed flour, and uh... you know just uh... just seeing hemp in its, in, in, in its different forms so um... you know it became it a real passion of mine and uh... now i'm actually involved with uh... growing growing hemp in the lehigh valley actually through three pilot programs through lehigh university so things are changing um, very slowly unfortunately but uh... you have to understand that it's, it's been over eighty years since the start of prohibition so it's not going to change overnight and just got to do your, your part and you know make change.
2: That's a, so. The goal of the festival is to just spread the awareness. Uh, when and where? You said it's at the festival pier. Uh, when is it, and how can people get tickets to go?
1: Yeah, it's August fourth. Uh, headliners: Rev- Revolution, you got NACO Medicine for the People, Collie Buds, uh, DJ Mackle, and uh, I think I thought it was missing one: Irie. And then it's um, it's from five to you know uh, midnight or so. And LiveNation.com, and get tickets, and uh, it's a good time. You know, it's. Uh, I think a lot of people go there for, you know, specifically for the music. But uh, you know, I think uh, the young generation, of the people that are gonna, you know, make change, for, you know, for the future, and uh, uh, you know, the young minds. You know, if you can teach them the right way from the start, you don't have to reteach something and help people relearn something they've taught, which something that was once bad. So, um, you know, it's not even just uh, it's not even just teaching people. It's it's kind of changing their whole viewpoints on. You know, a lot of different issues when it comes to, to hemp. So, uh, but once people see it and they understand it, it's, it's an easy sell because it's a no brainer. It's just common sense stuff. You know, this isn't, uh, no one's reinventing the wheel here. We're just kind of uh, going backwards in time almost. You know, synthetics and all this stuff has been so, we, we glamorize all these things. And uh, unfortunately, there's a price to pay when uh, you synthesize things and you, you create, you know, you bring a lot of chemicals and toxins into the environment. You know, the environment pays for it and so does human health. So, hemp is the answer.
2: I wanted to know cuz you talk about prohibition and everything and how hemp is tied to cannabis and when people hear hemp they think weed like that's just a that's just a thing that goes off in people's minds. Have you received any pushback from you were at the flyers organization a while. I think when I was at the show in 2012, uh there was a, there were some flyers there. Like have you received any uh any pushback from the league or the organization about uh, what you're doing?
1: You know what? I really haven't um no one said anything to me about it, and I've always tried to take a very professional approach with it. I mean, it's it's kind of this this like you know underground, dark um, thing. When you talk when 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 people talk about it, but it's really not that. It's actually the complete opposite. It's a very it's a very positive thing. It's a very you know vibrant thing. It's a, you know, it's a it's a very good thing for everyone. It just uh, I think when you everything is slammed so negatively, um, it certainly Changes the way people think, but um, no one's ever really said anything negative about it because I think when you speak truth and it resonates with people, you're not, you're not gonna be like, well, what the hell is this guy talking when he's wearing hemp clothes, eating hemp food, he's you know, taking CBD, and he's, you know, he's using you know hemp lotion and stuff like that. So It's like, how harmless could it be? So if you're against THC, if you're against the the one compound in cannabis that gets you high. Well, then remove that, and you got industrial hemp, and you should be able to support something like that. And if you can't, you're just ignorant. And unfortunately, there's a lot of ignorance on this planet, and you have to get through it. And you have to, you know, you have to change minds. It's, just, it's a very simple concept, very simple thing to understand. But people are scared. They fear. They fear the craziest things. Honestly.
2: Uh, Riley, you mentioned that you retired at 28, and you uh, you looked into these uh, these uh, CBD treatments to as your body started breaking down. Was do you think it was just a lifetime of hockey, or do you attribute it more to the role you played? Do you think you had more adverse effects because you were a guy who wasn't afraid to drop the gloves? You you were a tough guy out there. You were an enforcer. Something. To well, yeah, with
1: yeah, I, I would say so. I mean, uh, you know, the, the sport of hockey for anybody has a fair share of lumps and bruises and, and surgeries and stuff like that. But I think if you're fighting close to 30, 35 times a year um, and, and some big dudes, I, I think that the wear and tear physically is a little more demanding, but it's uh, it's also very mentally draining, spiritually draining, which most people don't understand. I mean, the whole fight-or-flight response, if you're constantly in fight response, it's uh, it's a lot of stress, but, you know what I mean? It's a lot of anxiety thinking about fighting guys, fighting guys that are, much bigger than you, you know what I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of that going on, so, it, it takes its toll, you know what I mean, so, I mean, my physical body broke down, and, and really, I, I really didn't go much further at 28, but it wasn't even just the physical body, you know what I mean, my my, my mind and my spirit was, I was just, you know, just gasped, like, I, I, you know, I just, I needed to heal, I needed to recover, I needed to, to find my way, and that's, you know, so, I, unfortunately, I retired at 28, but on the, on the positive side, it's, uh, it's uh, it's just certainly saved my life and given me completely different insights on uh, you know what's real and what's not real. So I, I I'm thankful for my physical body breaking down. It's, just, it's given me you know another side of life and uh, you know changed my whole perspective on everything.
2: Uh Riley, I just wanted to know I because 'cause I'm very interested in uh I'm very interested in in the role you played and like the mental aspect of that game, and you talk about how you would go out and fight guys bigger than you like you wake up in the morning or you're pulling into the arena and you know you're gonna be face to face with George LaRoque with George Paros, one of those guys like how are you feeling? what are you thinking going into that game
1: <laughs> it's It's hard to describe the actual amount of anxiety it is, but it's uh starts really the night before it actually starts like the second the last fight ended so i mean i could be fighting in a game and i'm already you know amped up to fight the second time in that game so if for, for for an example of what you've given me there um you know the night before it's, it's, it's on my mind it's on my mind pretty much the whole time you know what i mean there's times you can kind of get off your mind but game day it's like it's hard to get off your mind you know and um you know, pre-game nap. I was able to, I was able to, you know, relax and rest enough to, to get proper rest, I feel. But, uh, um, but yeah, it's an anxiety. Like I said, uh, fighting isn't exactly a natural thing, it's a natural state to be in. And fight or flight, you know, in, in the regular world is, you know, in your situation, you can, you can choose to fight or you can, you, you can choose to walk away. And, and for me personally, I don't really have the option to just walk away. I mean, there's, there's maybe a few times. You know situations throughout, throughout games that you know what I mean we're up a couple of goals and I and I decide not to fight then. But generally it's like if if I'm if, I, if I'm playing a hockey game I, I am expecting myself to fight or you know what I mean be damn close to getting into one. So that response you know the the, the psyche is, is much different than than the way I'm normally wired. You know what I mean I'm pretty laid back years most of the time and and uh, for me to you know have to have, have to turn on the switch and. Drink a ton of coffee and jack yourself up, and you know what I mean. And knowing you're fighting a guy that's, you know, even virtually fit in their match, but uh, I think I had I had a lot of spirit. I really didn't care. I mean, you know what I mean? It was like for me, not fighting was was a lost fight versus fighting the big guy and losing. You know what I mean? I I really, really could care less if I lost because I mean, to me, it's like I I proved to myself that you know I first of all I could you know play in the show, but fight. But just heavyweights. When I really wasn't ever that guy, you know what I mean. I, I decided to be better at 20, and, and that was the way I was going to make it. But I was never. I never fought in junior. I never fought in street. I never. I, don't know if I was never a fighter. I was a pretty peaceful guy my whole life, and it was just what I had to do. But the, the mind's a powerful thing, you know. If you believe in something, you're able to train your mind to do whatever you want to do it, and and that's what I did. I just studied fights. I studied attitudes. I studied, uh, you know, the way people carry themselves, and 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 the power of fear and, 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 you know what I mean? And someone's in your face and, and the fight or flight response. And, you know what I mean? And I think I have proven that you can, you really, you, you really can do whatever you want to do because I mean, it's like, something like that was, I just wanted to play in the show. I didn't care how I was going to get there, but I wound up having to fight the biggest the guys in the game to get there. And that was, you know, that's the, that's the irony of the challenge. So, you know, now I'm on the, now on the other side of the fence. I'm, you know, I'm fighting, I'm fighting. for hemp. I'm, I'm fighting for the simplest thing on the planet, but unfortunately, it's, it's public enemy number one. I uh it's, I, I, it's
2: <laughs> I wanted to know what you think of uh, the way the game is going now. Getting away from getting away from the fighting, and like the Penguins just traded for Ryan Reeves because even though they think, even though they won two straight cups, they think their stars have been being uh, pushed around too much. Do you think there's still a place for guys who played your role?
1: I think there is. Uh, it's, it's just hard to get guy. There's, there's very few guys that can be that tough and be that good of a hockey player. There's very few guys. You know what I mean? If you really want to be serious about it, you know what I mean? you got the Lucic around and you got the Ryan Reeves. And obviously Lucic, I think, is a better player than Ryan Reeves. But you know they can get around enough that you can say they can play the game. And even even I thought there was going to be a phase of like the Zach Ronaldo, like these middleweight type guys that were, you know, much quicker to skate. Um, and, uh, you know, be more of a middleweight type guy, but those guys don't last because they're they're reckless and they're not really true. I want to say they're true, true enforcers because, you know what I mean? A lot of times they're, they're bailing out on some of the dirty work they've done and, and whatnot. But, and I, know, and I love the guy, yeah, don't get me wrong, but, uh, but I think, but I think there's just, there's not many guys that can be that tough and be that good. You know what I mean? So I think the game is just like, well, we just, we just won't be that tough. You know what I mean? It's like there's still team toughness and, and whatnot, but, uh, I mean, a guy like me, Crosby. I mean, I mean, if he would have played 20 years ago, 25 years ago, he probably wouldn't be touched a fraction of the time as he's touched now. So then you got one of the, you know, one of the main superstars on the planet. That, you know, how many concussions does this guy had? You know what I mean? I don't know. I don't know what the number is, but it's significant for a superstar. And, you know, I still, I still feel that if you have guys like that, you have to send, you have to have somebody. Like, you really do. Like. And that's just me, maybe this just my old school way, but I mean, I think there's still a place for it. But the guy, the way that the game is played, how fast it is, the quickness and the speed of it all, like, you've got to be able to play the game clearly. But, uh, there's just, there's just hard to find that, you know, that many guys that can, can, can do both, uh, you know, efficiently and, and stay within the rules of the game.
2: I want to turn you over now to uh to an analyst of ours, Charlie O'Connor, also with Broad Street Hockey, just to ask you a couple of questions about what you saw coaching last year, the Phantoms and where you think some of these guys that
0: you coached are gonna end up. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, thanks again so much for, uh, for joining us, Riley. Uh, no just, problem. Just wanted to, uh, wanted to ask, because obviously Flyers fans, you know, we, they, they know the big names. They know the, the defensive prospects, the kids who are supposed to be you know turning the defense around and making the Flyers into a cup contender. But were there any kids that you, uh, that you watch, you coach down there, um, that maybe were a little bit more under the radar that you really believe um, you know, might make an impact at the NHL level in the near future?
1: Well, I would certainly say Taylor Lear. I know he's had his his little sniff there and, and people know who he is, but uh as far as a quality human being, quality worker, gets it, he's a pro. I mean, uh, he'll find his way for sure, whether it's a fighter or somewhere else. Um you know young guy and you just, just need to f- just just find his way. Um, certainly he he will you know, he's he uh you know, he's not so so much of a young guy anymore, but a guy named Paul Bardreau i kinda of rooted for him. he's uh you know, extremely explosive, tenacious penalty killer, hard-nosed guy. He would feel nothing more probably than a a fourth-line center role, penalty killer. But, you know, he's the type of guy that you root for, and you know, in in a developmental league that you would expect to develop for that role instead of paying a premium for a fourth-line center. Which I think you can develop those players, especially a guy who can skate well and kill penalties. The fans, obviously, you said it, uh, was pretty obvious. Um, But, uh, you know, I think the fans have done a great job at at least bringing a lot more veteran presence type guys, for these young guys to learn from. But um, for sure, for sure, Taylor Lear, he's, he talks about this. I mean, he's, 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 he's something. And then, um, you know, hopefully Cole finds his way as well. Uh,
0: well just one more question for you, Riley. Um, the, uh, the player who I feel like partially because the Flyers didn't make a lot of free agency moves this year. A player that was on the lips of a lot of fans over the past month or so has been Jordan Wheel, who basically, there there was a period where people were wondering if he was ever going to break out of that, you know, AHL star. Is he ever going to make the NHL? And then he had a great finish to the year when he got his call-up to the NHL. Now it looks like he's basically locked in as a starter for next year, signed the two-year extension did you see his game dramatically improve from the start of the season um, to where it was right before the call-up?
1: You know what, I wouldn't say dramatically. No, you know what, Wheels is an unbelievable hockey player. This guy competes. He's got unbelievable skill. He's shifty. He cares, and he's got the right attitude. Like, I, I think for me, like he, he, was, he was MVP in the league. I think two years before that, like this guy, yeah, this guy outgrew the American Hockey League two years ago. Unfortunately, he was screwed with politics last year with the Flyers there, and he I don't know how many games he landed up playing, but a guy like that, he can't can't not play a guy like that. Like if he's going to be on your roster, you play the damn guy because he's that good. Like he's he's almost like you know Ghost when he came back came up with the Flyers. Like he 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 actually has the ability to change games. He's so dynamic, full of energy, and he competes like a bastard. Uh, and, you know, and I would even say he competes much harder, you know, you know, much higher level than, than Ghost does. So he's a guy that. He's playing on top two lines. You need to play this guy. I mean, he's but but he right from the start of last year, like he was he was just on a mission. Like he was he's racked up the points. I mean he still finished playing the top fifteen in scoring. He only played, you know, three quarters of the year. So he's uh well top, happy to see top. happy to see him go. It hurt losing him obviously, but uh but that, the guy I think he's one of those guys, if you give him an opportunity, you give him ice time and play him with good players. This guy, I think he's gonna—he's going surprise a lot of people on how good he can actually be. He is—he is, he is that crafty, but he's—he works so hard. I, I don't know if I've coached a guy that does more little footwork and picking up pucks in the skates and picking up bad pucks and he's—you know—getting like, he's me to rip pucks in his backhand and just like little things that I've never really seen guys work on that much. He cares, and he—he he, is a great signing for the Flyers.
3: I want to ask one last question about Scott Lawton. And he's been bouncing in between the NHL and the AHL, and I think most people believe that he'll be in the NHL full-time this season. What did you see out of him last year, and do you think that this, this is his year?
1: Yeah, you know, I, I love Lawton to death. I think he just suffered from an identity crisis. I think he's been an offensive guy his whole junior career, and he's been a lean-on guy. I think he's had a hard time adjusting to a lesser role, three or four, and you know yeah. what I mean. And, and he needs to. I think what he's learned coming down back to the minor leagues is that he we didn't play him on the power play, so we didn't play him in any you know offensive situations like that. So I think he, you know, he's able to absorb more of what he really truly is. And I think like uh, it's not a knock on his ability, but some you know once you get to NHL, there's so many guys with unbelievable talent. So you have to take a lesser role sometimes. I think for him, you know, he's a a third-line center,
3: probably max. You know
1: what I mean on a good team. But I think he has to buy into that role because there's a lot of responsibility that comes with that role. I think he needs to be, you know, just a little bit more gritty. You know, maybe cut his loss a little more. I think he hangs on the puck too much and gets into trouble and turns pucks over. I think he doesn't have to carry the puck as much. I think he works hard enough, gets on the puck hard enough. I think he just, uh, just we talk about all the time, simplify his game, simplify it. You know, be a grunt worker, be a reliable centerman, win face-offs, kill penalties. There's nothing wrong with that. But some guys, and I think he had an identity price, I think it's hard to swallow when you're a 90-point guy, almost a 100-point guy in juniors, and you think you're just going to hop in the NHL and be a 80-point guy in the NHL. It's just, it's just not realistic. So um, having him before he made the Flyers, and then when well, he made the Flyers, came back to the Samms, made the Flyers game, and then came back to the Samms, and then came back to us again. I think you know, crushed his his confidence and everything, but I think he just needs to come back, um, in training camp and, you know, and, and earn a a job and just mean business, you know, I think he has to have that attitude.
2: Riley, thanks so much for joining us. You gave a you gave us a lot of, uh, a lot of good stuff here. Uh, just let us know one more time how to get tickets to the Hemp Heels Festival and how our listeners can support your foundation.
1: Yes, absolutely. Uh, Ticketmaster.com or LiveNation.com. Tickets is August 4th. And then, uh, HempHeelsFoundation.com is, uh, is the uh, 5123 website and just information on nutrition, CBD, different projects we're involved in, and all that good stuff. So,
2: thanks for having me. Uh, anytime. Thanks a lot, Riley. No problem. You guys have a good night. Thanks, Riley. Bye.
4: Thank you.
2: All right. That was Riley Cote, and it was absolutely amazing. Uh, he's the man. It was
4: seriously incredible.
2: (laughs) For everyone watching live, it it was really cool. Uh, You're just going to
3: have to watch on (laughs) Sackloud.
2: It was an an awesome time uh, talking to Riley. He's got so much to say about a lot of different things. Uh, He did not, he told us before the interview, he did not renew his contract with the Phantoms this year. will not be back as an assistant coach.
4: Which bums me out, actually. It bums me out. I I thought he was a good coach.
2: I hope more opportunities are ahead for Kote, but it. If it means he was able to be uh, a little more open with us, give us some of the answers he did. They were really good. Uh, I I hope everyone gets a chance to listen to that interview. But now we can get into... We don't
3: want to discuss the interview at all? I think think we should. I mean, he said a lot of stuff about Jordan Wheel. He said a lot of stuff about Scott Lawton. He said a lot of stuff about the Flyers organization. The...
2: uh, the Jordan Wheel stuff was very interesting. Very. He, he, there was fire in that he, in that answer. Yeah. He spit <laughs> hot fire. He was mad. Yeah, he yep. that Jordan Wheel was basically stuck in the AHL. Yep. Said he got screwed by politics, by politics. politics. last season yep. when he was on the NHL roster and couldn't get into a game, and then. Uh, like that, I guess that was after the trade when they were just like, "We don't have a place for you, but we can't send you to the AHL because you're not waiver exempt and all that." And he just couldn't get in. And then he dominated in the AHL, as 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 Cote alluded to. And you can tell there's some bitterness
3: there. Right. I don't, yeah. I don't yeah. know if it's on Jordan's side. If he may have confided him, no idea. But well, I mean, as as a coach, I think that your role is to look out for and advocate for your players. And, absolutely. And this was a case where he wasn't able to. I mean, with, with Jordan stuck in the press box, he wasn't able to do anything as a coach.
4: Yeah, and I always got the sense from Cote. I mean, it's it's kind of like a, a weird thing. I don't think a lot of people would expect a guy like Riley Cote to be a, a really good coach, and I always thought that he was an excellent, at least assistant coach, um, developmentally-wise. I thought he did a great job with the kids in Lehigh Valley, and I think that we got a little bit of that passion. He was probably super pissed, that a kid that he really believed in was sitting in the press box yeah. when some very lesser players were getting a and lot of time. And then was sent
0: down. Like cuz the way I I presented the question was mostly like there's there was a question I think throughout the season as to whether, you know, were the Flyers really wrong to send Wheel down to the minors to start the year or Did he benefit from that extra year of development? And then when he came up, he was just ready to dominate because that last year in the AHL was pivotal. And Kote was very clear that that wasn't the case. That basically the guy that that showed up at the end of the year would have shown up at the beginning of the year had he made the Flyers.
2: But he also did say the amount of work he put in, and not just after he was sent down, but the amount of work we'll put in. Like, some of that was motivated by, like, screw them, I'm going to show them how good I am. But he ended up coming back and re-signing before free agency started, Mm -hmm. so I guess there was enough there that when they gave him his chance, they were like, oh man, you are this good, we always knew it, but we just had... They must have explained it to Jordan Wheel, hearing Cote's comments, they must have really explained it well to Jordan Wheel to get him to come back, come back for the price he did, and do it before free agency officially began.
3: Yeah. yeah and and he had some words about Scott Lawton the Lawton stuff was interesting as well and how Scott Lawton's kind of a lost boy well
2: we've I mean, that's kind of been everyone's assessment of him, is that yeah. he was a guy who was a really good... He was a first-round pick. He was a really good player in juniors, yep. and that game hasn't translated to him, and he's been a square peg in a round hole yep. in every other role
0: they've tried him in. Yeah, th- this was something that, like, while well, the Jordan Wheel stuff surprised me, the comments that we got, the Lawton stuff, not as much, because it's all, I think, stuff that we s- sort of assume. We've all that, had our that, eyes on Scott yeah, Lawton a lot longer. That basically... The Flyers view him as a bottom sixer, and Lawton was trying to play like a top sixer. And this this season was him learning to accept that he is a bottom sixer at the NHL level and learning to fill that role. And you kn- you notice it just by the way Hextall was talking about it this year. I mean, every time Hextall was talking about it at the end of the year, was how you know he had learned to accept his role and he made such great strides as a you know more defensively oriented things. Like that. That's exactly what Cote said. Cote was basically yeah. like. It took him a while to get, you know, to accept the fact that he wasn't going to score a ton in the NHL. That, the
2: mm-hmm. one thing that stood out, and it was a little thing when he talked about Lawton, was a guy who had the puck the puck on his stick a little too long, too much. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. like, we always say, like, yes, I want Claude Giroux, I want Sean Couturier, I want them with the puck on their stick making decisions through the neutral zone over the blue line. Scott Lawton, get that puck in deep, go get it. Yeah, That's what they want out <laughs> yeah. of him. And, and, yeah. and, like,
0: I'm not sure if I 100% am, like, pumped about that. Like, I am to a degree because I do believe that... If
2: he's gonna be a guy who turns it over, like Kote said, that's what he was doing, then go get it.
0: Yeah. Go chase it. Yeah, like, I do agree that he was taking uh, maybe too many risks, and it was actually showing in his play-driving stats, which were very poor that year he spent most of the year in the NHL. At the same time, I don't want to turn him into just like a fourth line plug like I want him to still use his skill because I feel like that's what's mm-hmm. going to make him a useful bottom sixer is that he does have skill more skill than a Dale Weiss or obviously than like a Chris Vandevelde but like I don't want them to turn him into one of those guys by making him play too safe I want him to to find yeah. that happy balance between the two
2: yeah I agree Taylor Lear you are excited Taylor- you were really excited <laughs> about that Lear show.
3: It, it wasn't. It wasn't. It was excitement, yes, but it was also just a really high level of smug.
0: Yes, yeah, Steph, Steph, <laughs> was, <laughs> Steph was. Steph like was just staring now. at me, right at because yeah. I, I am a noted Fuck Taylor you, Lear Charlie. skeptic, and Steph is a noted yeah. Taylor Lear fan. And... I
3: am. I am. I really like his game. He's another. He's not a huge dude, but he's not small by any stretch of the imagination, and he's good. He scores goals. He's also an AHL, AHL All-Star M-
1: MVP? MVP
2: of the AHL All-Star game. Did he win there MVP? We go. Yes, he did. Oh. Yeah. Hot
3: <laughs> damn, Taylor Lear. So to hear from Riley Cote that to keep your eyes on Taylor Lear for NHL readiness, I like it.
2: Those are the kids that uh, we have, you know, been watching grow up now. But now it's time to talk about the kids who kind of just got here. The kids who are getting their shot. The development camp kids. Charlie, you were there. Uh, there. Steph spent a day there. I spent 20 minutes there.
0: Uh, we'll get to that. <laughs> we'll get to it. <laughs> uh, uh,
2: I just want to know, Charlie, first of all, your observations, who, sp- uh, who stood out, all that stuff
0: so just to kind of kick that off the one person i won't be saying is nolan patrick and that's because uh, he wasn't there he was busy abusing he just wasn't, fans in the parking yeah, lot Yeah, he was, he was in the parking lot no he was what there he was involved with all of the ice activities so all of the tape study all of the sessions that they have about nutrition and whatnot he was involved in all of that and he was still you know i'm assuming at whatever hotel they're staying at in Voorhees. i'm sure he was with his teammates there but are in He the 40s? was. He was. Yeah, was a Marriott yes. like right along, like yeah, right yeah, along yeah. the road to there. the, uh, yeah, the yeah. thing,
3: which is where they stay. I would. Yeah, okay. I would
0: guess that seems like a good choice. But he. Will, I'm not going to be saying his name because he wasn't on the on the ice for any of the events okay. because he's still recovering from surgery. But the guys who I who I liked. What I saw out of them from a skill set standpoint, and I'm not going to evaluate, you know, oh, he was the best of this drill, he was the best of this drill. I'm more talking about, you know, skating, puck handling, the little things that that I try to pay attention to at these camps. Um, Limblom, obviously, Sanheim, Myers, uh, Vecchione, like. You expect a 25 year old to kill it at this camp. Yeah. But he still did. And, like, that, that's worth praising. <laughs> uh, Steph said that uh, that Frost looked great to her. I thought Frost looked fantastic on Sunday. Steph's 100% right there. Um, Tanner Lazinski, I liked his game. Uh, Mark Friedman, we'll talk about him a little little bit later, but never seen anybody at this camp <laughs> care as much about this <laughs> camp as Mark Friedman does. He's, like, obsessed with winning every single drill. It's awesome. hilarious. I love that. Awesome. Um, uh, and then uh, Wade Allison and Carter Hart, I liked a lot, too.
2: The oh, uh, the Vecchioni stuff, uh, like I said, I wasn't there long. Again, he might have sucked. You said he looked good, so I'm gonna go with it. Uh, the the little I saw out of him, we always think of him as a bottom of the roster guy. We think, oh yeah, maybe you pencil him in as a fourth line center at some point. And then it excited me to see the little. The little intricacies, the things, the puck skill, the straight up puck skill, him like deflecting pucks out of the air with the shaft of his stick, knocking it down and being able to get a shot off. Little stuff that I was like, oh, we're going to have one of those, we're going to have one of those skilled fourth lines
0: one day. I think the big thing with him is just the polish and that's yeah. something you have to account for at these camps is that you know all these kids at these camps are talented particularly the drafted guys but really pretty much everybody has a good amount of talent but the young kids they don't have the polish they don't know the little tricks of the trade Mike Vecchioni has that because he's 25 years old he's you know been with a major a major program for Is he 25? For, yeah, yeah he's 25. So like He's gonna stand. He's gonna stand out.
2: College at twenty five, like me. All right,
0: (laughs) (laughs) but he's gonna stand out at these camps in comparison to the kids who don't have that polish. It was just nice to see that his skating looks very good. His shot looks very good. He does look like a. I think he's gonna be twenty five to start the season, maybe February. February. Okay, twenty four. Well,
3: either way, it's fine.
0: But point being is that. I expect him to look good, but, like, you still have to look good. Had he looked bad, I would have been Very nervous. concerned.
3: Yeah, I mean, he's a grown man playing with actual children. Yeah,
0: like, some of these kids are 18.
3: Yeah, and I think that's fine. Yeah, oh,
0: it's absolutely fine. That's what the camp's for.
3: Was there anybody off the bat who you were,
4: like, surprised by that looked a lot better than you expected them to look? lazinski was probably Frost the big character. one.
0: Um, <laughs> I mean, Frost, like, I was hoping he was going to look like a first-round pick, and he looked like a first-round pick. Awesome. Luzinski was interesting because... He obviously had a really good year last year at Ohio State. He was a six-round pick, but he kind of was something of a sleeper this year. You know, the prospect hounds were talking him up. But I watched him at camp last year, and he did not look all that impressive. He just kind of looked like just a guy. This year, he looked legitimately like a prospect. Okay. And he was – I think I said in my article that – he was more on the level of like Frost, Rupsov, and Limblom than on the level of guys like Connor Bunneman and Pascal LeBurge, and like the he was closer to the A tier than the B tier, which is pretty darn cool to see from a six round pick.
4: What about that Russian dude they invited?
0: Oh, uh, oh God, I'm not even gonna try to try to pronounce his name.
4: He hey looked okay. Something. He, looked okay.
0: Yeah. Um, he looked fine. You know, he wasn't he didn't blow me away. Okay. But I don't know why he didn't get drafted because his skill set is definitely better than some guys who did.
3: Interesting. Um, they also have a model. Like, yeah, a thing. Oh, Loof. Yeah, yeah. Luf.
2: Oh, I thought you were going to say uh, Oscar Lindblom. Because well, that he, dude is pretty. He
3: could be a model. No, this is another Swede. Oh, this he's an actual model? He's an actual those damn Swedes, model. men Seriously. and
4: women. Gorgeous. Just, Everyone <laughs> living on those islands is very attractive. <laughs> like it's very annoying
3: to I, me. I will go there immediately. But he's like, yeah, he can is can book a flight? Yeah. Okay. Kate yeah, lost it. Yeah. <laughs> well because Kate Kate who's joining us, you can't see her or hear her because she likes Silence. She's, <laughs> she's smart. She, I like she her. likes being Kate yeah. <laughs> and not one of our our nonsense. Um she's been talking to his dad today who wanted pictures for memories. Because oh. his dad is in Sweden, Luf? and if, yeah. yeah, and if that isn't the sweetest fucking thing you've ever heard in your life, oh, it's
0: so, cute. so Luf was an invite. So like yeah. for for him and his family, like, this is a huge deal. Like yeah, he's, he's
3: getting a Flyers play with, jersey. Yeah, like, this like, is a it's big deal for him. Pretty awesome. He's twenty one years old, a right handed defenseman, um, has won many awards for highest scoring defenseman in whatever league it is that he plays in. I don't think it's. I don't think it's the I right. don't think it's. I think it's the one right below it.
0: Yeah, my. I, I'd have to look. I, I honestly. Hold on. With, with we the, all have Google. With, with the camp invite, well, my internet's not working. Yeah, right. But uh, the camp invite, guys. Like, I'm having to spend so much time paying attention to all the prospects that, like, I just kind of, yeah, I sort of just. Not, I wouldn't say ignore because you're watching everyone, but like, I remember back. Four or five years ago, the Flyers had maybe like six prospects worth watching at this camp. At these camps,
3: yeah, they were just bodies. Yes, yeah. <laughs> and this oh, year he was in the SHL. This year there was of.
0: no less than like twenty five guys that you're like, I have to watch, and it gets hard to keep track of twenty five guys.
4: I'm assuming, and I guess if one of these invites blew you away, you would notice them, but yeah. they're probably all just you know good. Good, not great.
0: Yeah, like yeah. they were fine. Yeah. I, 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 I couldn't critique or praise Luff's game because I just wasn't watching for him. Would you, would you see out of Strom? Uh, well, the skating isn't that good. Okay, but uh, <laughs> we, knew, but we knew we that. Knew, yeah. We knew yeah. that, and it, knew it about Oscar Lindblom. And
4: they have a guy sure. like on him, right? Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. It was, it was really interesting. Whenever they were doing like individual skating drills, you had like all the other players doing whatever they were doing, kind of off on their own. And then whenever Strom was doing a skating drill, there was always like a coach sort of like about five feet away, just kind of watching him. And then once in a while he'd come over and, you know, give him a little tip. Like they know he's a project and they also know that if they fix the skating, this is a really, really Steel. good pros- yeah, prospect. Yeah. Yeah. So they're taking, you know, they're, Paying a lot of attention to this guy because they know it's one thing, and if they can fix that one thing, you maybe have a first-round talent.
2: Because that was uh, one of the things I read about another guy, Isaac Ratcliffe, was that you didn't have to fully fix his skating. So he was a project without the scary part of being a project. And if you only have to fix one thing like you do with Strom, it just makes that pick so much more valuable. Yes, he's a guy you're going to have to coach up. He's a guy who might take a little longer. But the payoff might be so worth it. They got... Uh, Strom was the fourth round.
0: Fourth round, yeah. Yes. Yeah,
2: Ratcliffe was the second. Yeah, and it, like the the fascinating that stuff thing, pays off. Yeah, you got exactly. First round talents. And
0: the fascinating thing about Strom is that like, we know he's not a good skater. Everyone knows he's not a good skater. But despite the fact that he's not a good skater, he still had a better point per game ratio than both Morgan Frost and Isaac Ratcliffe. Like, imagine <laughs> how good he would be if he could skate. How
3: about <laughs> that? Yeah, Isaac Ratcliffe. I mean, you can't teach size. Yeah. He's, he's a big dude.
0: No, I, I'm I'm on record as basically calling Isaac Ratcliffe, Ratcliffe basically like the forward version of Sam Moran. Like he's he's I raw. Did read that. there's stuff that he has to work on, particularly like his puck skills at speed, but the skating ability for a guy that big is really really plus.
3: Well, that's also, I mean, that's a thing that big guys do need to work on because when they're that big and they're playing in juniors against younger teenagers they'll get called just for using their body so then they shy away from using their body and then they play a lot smaller than they are so they uh, have to learn how to play to their size and sometimes that takes a while
2: I I read some quotes from Ratcliffe where he's looking to put on 20 30 pounds I think he said and that was something that stood out to me is I'm watching him uh in some individual just battle drills one-on-one stuff and he's getting leaned on and he's not like bowling dudes over yeah. but he's winning a race like, Yeah, he's like he's using his hands and using his legs and like someone's leaning and he's not just he's not just pushing back and i was like if he learns to do that you could have something really special
3: i think it'll come with time they you know you've got to learn how to play to the I, side it's his yeah. first
2: camp yeah he yeah. was this is his draft season yep. he was just playing against children
3: Yes. Like, this...
0: yeah, yeah. And, and and i felt like when i wrote that article i felt like the paragraph came off as critical but I really didn't want it to be because well, it's
3: because people are so down on Moran
0: well to me it's like I mean Sam Moran's going to be an NHL player the, the jury's out how good he's going to be but he's going to be an NHL player and with Radcliffe like I didn't expect to see a guy who was just mauling people and was doing everything perfectly because if I expected to see that guy the Flyers would have taken him you know Within the mid somebody would have taken him in the mid first round because he's ready and he's got all that skill. Like I always looked at him as a project. Yeah, I saw, I saw do- exactly what I expected to see, and I saw nothing to dissuade me that he might eventually be awesome.
2: If he could do all that stuff at six foot five, he'd be stepping in the lineup right now. Exactly. Like, yes. You'd be penciling him in.
0: Exactly.
4: You know who I want to know about? Phil Myers.
0: Phil Myers looked very, very good. Yeah? Yeah. Uh, I yeah. want
4: him on the team like now, and no, I know he, that's crazy, but I I want it.
0: He looked really, really awesome. I think the 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 thing that surprise me maybe about Myers and I came in expecting him to look very good, but he was very sound defensively. Um in the defensive drills. Like he was using his reach very well. He was strong. He's not you know, he's not as bulky as he's eventually going to be, but he was strong enough against, you know, the Oscar Limbloms of the world. I had one one clip I posted on Twitter where basically, you know, Limbaum's trying to lean on him and Myers just kind of slows him up and then gets around and knocks the puck away. And, like, Oscar Limlom is a guy who we expect to be in the NHL this year. So, you know, maybe he's not going to be the strongest NHLer, but he'll be an NHLer. And he played in the SHL. He played in the league against men. And Myers really didn't have any problem physically against him. So Myers is a guy who I actually – I asked Hextall this on Friday because Hextall had media availability. I asked him if the fact that Myers did not play a full season in the queue because he was dealing with injury, if that would put him behind – the guys like Hagen, Moran, and Sandheim. And Hextall basically said not really, but what does is that those three guys have AHL experience and he doesn't. So Myers has to prove a little bit more than they do because the organization has seen those three guys play against top-caliber competition in the AHL, whereas with Myers they've just seen him in the queue. It's not to say he can't do it, but he has to show a little bit more than those three guys do.
4: Does anyone else ever just like, Think about what our defense is going to be like in three years and like giggle.
3: Well, Andrew McDonald will like still be here, so not in three years. Uh, it, it expires twenty twenty. Yeah, right. Yeah. When... three
0: more years of the deal, that's then it. Then the lockout, and then
3: 2020 yeah. twenty twenty
2: twenty, 20
0: one, we'll have we'll have
2: the best defense
0: and
3: then in the league. The lockout. Um, I uh, I laugh because I'll cry it's if happening. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> um, I also wanted Charlie to talk about. Uh, Rubsov Rubsov right. Uh because Rube-sof. I saw I saw a little the bit germ. of him on Sunday and I wasn't overwhelmed, but I also didn't have very high expectations. You didn't catch the germ. <laughs> I'm sorry no <laughs> I'm sorry no he's Ruby. they call him Ruby and that's ruby. what he ruby, is ruby, for, ruby for ruby all show, huh? for all the little rosy cheeks we've got another we've got a little Ruby. Oh, that was terrible! I'm calling him germ. I
0: mean, you got Kelly calling him germ. So. Well, that's just <laughs> germ. Kurt did it. Um, with regards <laughs> yeah. to, to Ripsoff, I really, really liked his skating. I thought he was a very smooth skater. To me, he was the most. He had the most effortless stride after Sandheim, who is just an incredible skater yeah. all around. I thought his skating was much. I knew he was a good skater. I didn't realize he was he was going to look that good. The one thing that he didn't seem to have down and maybe this was because he was working on something. Cause that's the, that's the wild card part about this development camp is that you don't know if these guys actually struggle at this one thing, or maybe they were taught something in the session and then they're working on exactly yeah. what they were taught. But that being said, it looked like Rupsoft needs to work on his shot. His shot <laughs> I was did say that. not seem to be yeah, that good. Yeah. And that was the one thing where like maybe it's maybe it's a mechanical thing he's working on, but it did not have a lot of zip to it.
3: No, and the one timer that I was watching, they they were doing one timer drills and I don't think any of them hit the net. Oh. Uh, and it was a wide open net. You got to do that.
0: That's a really tough thing to get down.
3: I'm just saying. Not a single one. (laughs) And he's
0: 19. He's he's 19. That's, I think, what people... Because last year was such a weird year for him, it almost feels like he's been around longer than he has because we were always talking about him. Like, when's he going to come over? What's going to happen? This is just his second year after his draft year, and this is the first year most likely that he's going to play against people his own age. He's probably going to start in the queue. He could start in the AHL but I really think they're going to send him uh they're going to send him back to the queue. And it's going to be interesting interesting to see how he does because he looked very good in that short sample at the end of the season once he came over.
2: I want to talk more about Travis Sanheim cuz this dude the way people describe his skating uh, it uh,
3: it, it's it makes me feel
2: happy in my belly. Uh, <laughs> oh, well, I'm glad we, like, it
3: was belly, yeah, but yeah, the body part yeah. that we went with—it's like a, it's it's like a warm
2: <laughs> shot of liquor on a cold night. That's how it makes me feel. Oh, I know, it's I know awesome. that feeling.
3: Yeah. <laughs> my my initial thoughts on Sanheim—I'm going to let Charlie talk because he's much more technical than I am. But um, is that he's still really skinny? Like he's he's super tall. He's six foot four, but he's still really lean and lanky. And I know that he's put some on of them weight. just are though. Like, Simmer yeah. is super skinny. Yeah, but
4: And he's Sandheim, one of the strongest dudes yeah, in the league. Like, yeah, yeah, but he
3: doesn't look it on the ice against smaller competition. Okay. Okay. Sandheim yeah. does. Okay.
0: He definitely could put on more weight. And Hextall said that on Friday, basically, that we still envision Sandheim putting on another 10, maybe 15 pounds by All the right. end. But I don't believe that that's making him not NHL ready. Like, I think he's big enough. He's 200 pounds. He's 6'3". He's much Boy. much strong, six foot four, six foot three. Okay, um, because we've got a Steph six foot four,
3: is, six foot five, six foot six. Uh, okay. Steph is okay. well
0: actually girl tonight.
3: <laughs> <laughs> well actually,
2: but he well actually um, um, woman.
0: I'm thank
3: sorry.
0: you. <laughs> but he uh, he actually actually um, <laughs> is uh, is the kind of guy where I think he's I think he would hold up at this point. I think he's going to get stronger, but I think he would hold up at this point in the NHL. The big thing for me, which has always been. The, the the issue with Sanheim is the defense and I've been I go to these camps every year I've watched him in defensive drills and in the beginning it was kind of ugly Last year it was improved, but still had your your kind of your bad moments. This year was the best he's looked in defense, in defensive drills. Definitely the best he's looked. Wasn't perfect, but the way I described in my article was that in last last year it was like 50% good reps, 50% bad reps. This year it was like 75, 25. Okay. Like he is progressing in that area. And to be quite honest, he's so good offensively that he doesn't have to be perfect defensively. He can you can make some mistakes and then make up for it on the other side because he's just such a good skater. He's so good at holding the point. He's got you know great passing ability. Like he could make up for it because he's that good on the other side. Like end. to me, like I grew up, I
2: idolized Darian Hatcher. Like I loved that kind of defense. But to me now, get the puck out. It's not about it's not about beating people up in front of the net. It's not about perfect. It's still,
0: it's still important. You, you have yeah. to have
2: you have to have good coverage when you're in the zone. But if I have a if I have to choose, I'm I'm choosing the guy who can break it out. I, the, I
0: I agree. The upside's higher yeah. with those guys. At the same time, I think that a defense with a Radko Gudis and a Sam Moran, you know, that's that's that why works. you have those that guys. works. Yeah, yeah, that's why you have them. Yeah, here you can't and, you can't have six Radko yeah. Gudis and a Sam Morans, but but two of them and can you can't work.
1: have
3: six ghosts. Yeah. No, that'd be fun. It, it, it would be fun. It'd <laughs> be some high
0: event hockey. That high would be...
3: <laughs> event. Many courses in that game. <laughs> Many courses, yeah. <laughs> no, I think I think that that's that's really what I was trying to say in my defense, um, in my Q&A last week of Sam Moran. Like, you need to have a well-rounded defense. Every team needs a
2: thumper, Johnny.
3: Well, you can't have... I don't like these quotes that you just throw in. I don't, I don't, I don't like that. Steph doesn't movie. I don't movie. I mean... It throws me off. Um, You need to have a well-rounded defense and you can't have all offensive defensemen. Yes, you can have well-balanced two-way defensemen, but we do have ghost already on the team. He's not going anywhere for the foreseeable future. (laughs) So he is working on becoming a two-way defenseman, but definitely the offensive defenseman. So it's not going to hurt anybody to have a defensive defenseman. And I don't mean stay-at-home guy. I actually kind of hate that term because these are very mobile, very quick, good skating defensemen. I'm, I'm saying they because I'm talking now about Moran and Haig um, who who are more more defensive than offensive. They will both jump up in the rush without any hesitation, which we saw in the two games that they were both here last year. And rant.
0: I think the the key with the defensive defenseman is that defensive defensemen aren't inherently bad. It's just that a lot of the players that get the defensive defenseman label are bad, and that yes. I think is why the label has kind of gotten you know it's it's turned into stay
4: at home defenseman because they can't because move.
0: they're bad, right? But, right. but like right. you look at a guy like Rakugutis, like Rakugutis is what you would view as a defensive defenseman. Rakugutis drives play fantastically. And you look at a guy like, you know, Vlasic, you look at Chalmerson. Like, these are defensive defensemen who are also good defensemen by the numbers. So, the key with the defensive defensemen is that those guys are useful. You just need to make sure that you're not believing a bad defensive defenseman yeah. is a good defensive it's, defenseman right. just because he's defensive.
2: It's like Chris Vandervelde, is a good penalty killer. Like, no, he's a zero dimensional
0: player. Yeah, exactly.
2: Like, no, the reason Nick Grossman leads the league in block shots is because. Everyone in front of him gets the puck and thinks, Oh, I can get by this guy. Like it's it's that easy.
3: Blocked shots do not (laughs) generate defense. So
0: like we're just hoping that Sam Moran and Robert Haig they don't have to score, but can they do the enough good things on the defensive side to get the you know, separate their guy from the puck, get it to the puck mover on the other side who gets the play up up ice and help out enough in the offensive zone that they're not a total waste. And that's the hope. That's that's what you're hoping they become.
2: How are the goalies looking? What are we seeing out of the goalies? How does anyone even evaluate a goaltender behind? yes yeah. He stopped it.
3: Oh. Yeah, it's- <laughs> Hold on. This is this is very, very easy. We have a favorite. We have <laughs> Carter Hart, Felix Sandstrom, None some guy, and sex number goalie. <laughs> yeah, sex number goalie. So, <laughs> sex number goalie so, is so, our favorite.
0: So Tomek from the start is his to uh, fan favorite. S- yeah. Since he was drafted from his first development camp, he got the, the number 69. And he later made it very clear that he wasn't just handed this number. No. He, oh, requ- he, he requested it. it.
2: Absolutely. That's amazing. Oh, I'm getting his jersey. Oh, he is, our, he is our favorite. Trade Carter
3: Hart now. Well, let's not get crazy here. <laughs> yeah. Let's trade Anthony Stolarz and bring up sex number goalie. Yeah, sex Whatever. number goalie can be a, a really solid, I he's, think, AHL goaltender.
4: He's getting for... his fresh start now. He's yes. going to
2: the USHL. Yeah. It didn't work out for him in, in the NCAA. Uh, I'm going to see what the kids got because... College he was stupid anyway. He, he, was, he, he had great numbers before he went to North Dakota, and then he just couldn't get into a game.
3: Yeah. yeah. No, super, super nice guy. If you're listening, we'd love to have you on one day. Yeah.
2: Or just come have a beer with us. <laughs>
3: yeah. We're town for that. Is he 21? He's got to be. He's twenty-one. Kate
4: says he is. All right.
0: (laughs) Okay, but as for the uh, the other goalies, they they paired Hard and Sandstrom together in the same group because there are only four goalies of this camp. Usually, there's more. There were only four this year, aside from the the guys they like literally pulled off the street to be you know. I feel bad that I said some guy. His name was Hanson. Hanson. Yeah, yeah. Like I did
3: did know his name, but I was rude about it. I don't like (laughs) being rude about guys that I don't hate yet. Um,
0: (laughs) Yes, I. uh, I thought Hart and Sancho both looked good. I was a little bit more impressed by Hart. I felt like he. Um, How dare you! I know. I'm sorry, Kelly. It's I'm okay. sorry. I'm I'm bad talking your next Henrik Lundqvist. He still is though. <laughs> but I thought Hart. What what impressed me about Hart in particular was that he his positioning was great, but his movements were subtle. But he always ended up in the right spot. Like he was he was quick in terms of positioning to square up shooters and whatnot. He just he's he's got to be a goalie that goalie coaches love to. Coach. He looks like. From the little I saw of him, which was like you know World
2: Juniors and stuff, uh, yeah, one of those technically well-rounded, like a guy coaches like just a a he's got that polish, yeah,
0: like he's he's technically perfect.
1: Yes, ex- oh. just like Michael Noiberg,
2: just like Michael yeah, Noiberg, future Las Vegas Golden Knight.
0: <laughs> still on that trade? Oh no, bill.
2: it's two-year deal. <laughs> All right, it could it happen any time, any day now. So oh, Trade deadline God. is in
0: February. So I do want to make make a little <laughs> pivot because we were talking earlier about Myers and Sanheim, and this is something that interest that really it, it caught my eye because Myers we had availability with on Friday, Sanheim we got availability with on uh, on Saturday, and they were both asked about like what their thoughts were about possibly making the NHL this upcoming year. And do I, we have
3: audio of that?
0: I I don't I did not bring it, That's but okay. I, I wrote the quotes so. I think there's a real distinction between the the, the two guys and kind of the way they're approaching this upcoming training camp. You have Myers. At camp, I'll try to do my best, and whatever happens, happens. I have trust in management here that they are going to put me in the right spot. So wherever I go next season, I'll be happy with it. Sanheim. All right. I think I'm ready, and I'm going to fight for a spot until someone tells me differently. I'm coming to make the Flyers. Like
4: I like Philly sounds like, like a nice boy. You
0: have Phil Myers who like, and granted, he's a year younger. That probably plays in this, but Phil Myers is basically like, I'm getting, I'm going pro. This is awesome. Like, if I go to the AHL, that's cool. If I go to the NHL, that's awesome. Yeah. Sandheim is Sandheim like, I
2: rode the bus last yeah, year. Sandheim he's is good. like,
0: I'm done with this yeah. shit. Yeah. <laughs> I want to be in the NHL I now. I am not
2: carrying my own <laughs> bag me, another
3: year. That makes this me is so happy. <laughs> See, that's the kind of stuff that gives yeah. me the the. Yeah. Shot of whiskey in the belly feeling. It does make you warm <laughs> I do, in the belly. I, I love Travis Sandheim a lot. He's always been one of my top he is three the, favorite prospects. I freaking love this He is the team. guy
2: who... He's the beginning of our process. When they took Sandheim, that's that's, true, that's, that's the first... Yeah, Because the year before, it's still Holmgren, and while they yep. needed to take a defenseman, they went with the guy who was 6'6", six six, and like when you watch those videos on the website and the scouts are talking... Yeah, like, the it sound, yeah, the war room stuff. It sounded like if Nurse was on the board, they still would have taken yeah. Sam Moran. Like, yeah, you know, Moran will hit you in the teeth with a stick. That's our culture. I don't know if Darnell Nurse has that in him. While a part of me loves that, <laughs> because you do, you need to be mean to play defense in this league. Like, mm-hmm. you need to like have it in you to cross check somebody every now and then. But if you're drafting someone based on that, I don't know about that.
4: Mm-hmm. yeah
0: yeah, and, and I I think we, we all still have high hopes for yeah. Sam Moran but, oh I absolutely but, do but, but I do I agree I, love that kid. Yeah. <laughs> I do agree that the Sanheim pick sort of in a way kind of makes like is like the start of the Hexall era in some yeah. ways because hexall has been so good at drafting and that was the first Big, and he had he that made.
2: breakout, and people were like, "Oh, really, Sanheim? Okay." And then he had that breakout yeah. year, and everyone went freaking banana. Yeah,
3: our, our buddy Jake just said on our Facebook feed, "Sam Sanheim is the beginning of the end of the Andrew McDonald era." <laughs> I like it. That okay. would be nice. This is the dream. <laughs>
2: it is the dream, though, because you're looking at these guys and. Team officials are going out of their way to talk some of these guys up. And mm-hmm. Hextall has made it clear, uh, not that he's willing to send Andrew McDonald to the AHL again, although he has done it before, so yeah. I guess he's willing to do it. But if these guys come out and absolutely kill it at camp, if they're in the preseason and it is clear that they make the team better, I fully believe that they will make this team. And the reason I say that is Travis connecting Mm-hmm. Ivan Provorov was ready, and everyone yeah. knew it. Everyone, Ivan Provorov was ready the year before, and everyone knew it. Konechny was—he's undersized. We don't really know what position we're going to move him to the left wing. He's a right winger. We'll see. And then he was—it was like, oh, he's the most electric skater we have. He has to make the team. <laughs> oh, it'd be yeah. dumbass. <laughs> so if Sanheim or and or Myers come out, and it's like, well, yeah, Moran and Hag kind of need to be here, but there's still that one more spot. One of them is going to get it and Andrew McDonald might be packing his bags and riding the bus again. That's, I mean, that's
4: the
0: dream. That, yeah, it's the dream.
4: <laughs> and honestly, to be honest, at the end of last season, I don't think that I would have believed that Hextall would send Andrew McDonald to, send to the AHL in favor of a kid. But everything that he said since the end of the season, heading into the draft, especially after the lottery, it just seems like he's kind of... Coming on board with the let's just get the best team possible. and and and
0: done with not protecting McDonald. I mean, You're granted, right, it yeah. was it was, yeah. was a, he, the way he looked at it was a de facto protection in terms of the contract function as a protection right. slot, yeah. but yeah. It, it does send a message to the players. There's a reason why. There's a reason why the owners and the general managers did not want to release those lists. And they only released the list when the fans went ape shit. Yeah. They didn't want to release them because they knew that it sends a message to a player if a player knows he was not protected. And that sends a message to Andrew McDonald, it sends a message to the team that yeah, they use him as a first pair defenseman, but maybe they're not as high on him as we had <laughs> worried they were last season.
3: Yeah, thank the gods. And, and it, they, they protected Manning. They did. Yeah. Yeah. And
0: they were there were some Hextall quotes.
3: I didn't. I didn't recently. even have enough of a chance to laugh about them protecting Manning because there was so much that happened that week. But yeah. it's the same. It's it's Charlie whatever, Makes it the point is doesn't... that
2: that contract was a protection slot. Yeah. yeah. If even if you like Andrew McDonald and like if management thinks he's a serviceable enough player, getting that contract off your books is is that's that helps you. Yeah. No one wants to be paying anyone five million bucks, especially a bad player. So you know. But uh, there were some Hextall quotes that led me further to the you know, the dream is is, is reachable. And it was, uh, I have the videos here, but I didn't write them out. But essentially, he was talking, they, he was asked about bringing in a veteran defenseman because the defense is going to be very young this year. And he said, uh, maybe some, maybe a body for the preseason on a tryout just to see if the kids aren't as ready as we think they are. But I'm not bringing in anyone to block the kids. If they are ready to go, they will be on the team.
4: Yeah, I was super pumped that they didn't bite at the Markov thing.
2: That And that's what last week during the show was, All of a sudden, those Andre Markov rumors started out of seemingly nowhere, and it turns out they were out of nowhere. Markov is interested in the Flyers because he's like, "Oh, he's
3: representing himself," which is so dumb. Yeah, please don't
2: represent yourself, players. You really aren't Pay the ten percent or whatever they (laughs) charge you. Yeah, I mean it's fine. I guess with the escrow and everything, they're like, "Well, I'm getting screwed already. (laughs) (laughs) I need to make as much of this as I can. I'm 38." Like. But, like, I guess Markov just was like, oh, look, they need a defenseman who can play a little and is
4: old.
0: Uh, they don't have one.
4: Give me $6 million. Bring me no, in. thanks, yeah. buddy. It's, it's, yeah. very, it's very possible it that this moving. was
0: solely Markov just thinking, yeah. ah, then maybe that makes sense. And then realize very quickly that no, it doesn't because Ron Haxall doesn't want to or even really have the cap space to add no, yeah. a guy that will want what Markov rightfully wants because Markov is still a good defenseman.
4: Yeah, it would have been cool if we could have brought him in, like, short term for not a lot of money, but that obviously was not going to happen. And I'm glad that we decided against bringing him in for short term for a lot of money because we don't need to. Does anyone have any
2: idea how long we've been doing this?
4: Seven and a half hours. <laughs> I just
2: approximately. I don't, I don't have the time of this, and I'm thrown off because we did the interview first.
0: I'm so I just don't roughly
3: know. 48 minutes. Roughly, so we're we're running about an hour and a half. All right, we're we're about there. Yeah, uh, yeah.
0: We're, we yeah, We maybe have like five five more minutes do to go. Have, do we have Do we have
2: anything else? I God? mean, um, did we we wanted? <laughs> Tell me the things you want to talk about.
3: Well, Charlie did say <laughs> there, it's somewhere written in here that Everyone fans should be Radio. rooting for Sandheim or Myers to jump one of Haig or Moran at camp.
0: I did say it. I did write that. Why? And, I mean, the ideal would be that they push McDonald out, but yes. the way I look at it is Haig and Moran while they're good and while I'm excited about them, I don't think either of them have the upside of Myers or Sandheim. Oh yeah, definitely not. But, at the same time, they are the guys that are in the front of the line. Which means that Sandheim and or Myers have to be unreal in camp to jump one of those two. And quite frankly, if one of them is, I'll be extremely excited because it means that those guys are more ready than even any of us thought. And that's not to say that, that Moran and Haig won't eventually make it. I think they both will. It's just that I want to be really excited about the ultra high upside guys. And the way to make me really excited about them, even more so than I am now, is if they were to be so good in camp that you just can't. You I'm can't hoping
2: set them back. one of them makes it and it pushes McDonald out, and we still get Moran and Hague because again, Moran two years in the AHL, Haig three. Like it's time.
4: That would be
3: delicious. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's
2: it's it's just time.
3: So, I I actually I wanted to dispute this. Okay. Only because of of the well-rounded defense argument, so if you bring up one of the more offensive dudes instead of Haig or Moran, and I actually think it's really telling that Sanheim and Myers are both at rookie camp, and Haig and Moran are not. Um, it, it, it just it creates an imbalance. But if they're going to get rid of Andrew McDonald yep. or if they're going to trade Goudis or whatever, I, no. well, Only one dagger to Bill's heart. No,
2: I said I'm willing to trade Radko Goudis with Jake Voracek for, for Alex Ovechkin.
0: Oh, <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that
2: thing. Along with Raffle and a whole bunch of picks. That's Folks, my that's my dream. Bill Matz. Everyone. And I love Radko Goudis. He's like my second favorite player on the team.
3: Loving and that's all the time we have today <laughs> on Broadcasting is 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 Radio. Charlie, just go um, ahead and
2: talk talk about the shirt I'm wearing.
0: Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> oh, so, so the, the funny story about DevCamp. So this was <laughs> Saturday, <laughs> correct? Saturday, yes. So I'm up in the uh, in the little loft area with uh, with Joey Pierogies, and Kate is taking pictures down at the uh, you know down at ice level. And I look down and I see Kate sitting on the bleachers with someone. I'm wait a minute, that that's Bill. Like Bill's here. That's cool. This is great. We're you know we got the whole BSH gang here. This is awesome. And then like ten minutes later, I look back down and Bill's gone. Like oh maybe Bill went over to the other the other side, the other rink. There are, there are other things I went going to the on roller there. Roller rink. I go down to talk to Kate after the session. Kate's like no. No, Bill didn't even come here for development camp. He came here for professional wrestling, which is what? In, like, the basement of the Voorhees skate zone? I didn't know exactly where it was. It's actually in
2: the roller rink.
4: Okay. There's a roller rink?
2: Yeah, which I didn't even know about.
4: In the skate zone? Yeah, yeah. No
2: shit. Yeah, I was like, I was, I was in there. I was like, where the hell are we right now? I've never been in here. And I looked down. I was like, oh, this is soft tile. Like this is, this is the roller is at, it, at oh least. Oh my god! At is least
3: it like the upside you didn't. That's or why or
0: I them? was there for twenty minutes. At <laughs> least you didn't show up in costume because as we were leaving, <laughs> oh, that would have been the, amazing. The, the line was filled with people in oh, costumes, yeah, like for I guess like their favorite wrestlers. Like I didn't realize that underground professional wrestling was a thing. Oh yeah, but I guess it is, and yeah. I guess you're into it, Bill.
4: Okay, could you please dress up as the Green bastard from? Parts <laughs> Next time. it was a lot of I had a lot of
0: fun that's
2: what it, that's, combat zone wrestling out of the flyer skate zone counts. in he's. it's a great time
3: well so is the rookie camp
2: I'm gonna be there tomorrow for the three on three oh, I'm so, going tomorrow too my name is Bill Matz that is all the time we have for Broad Street Hockey Radio this week thank you so much everybody and thank you to Riley Cote be sure to check out the Hemp Heels Festival August 4th at Festival Pier have a great week Philly are you ready to talk about sports yeah